0: Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Female Driven Podcast. I'm Hannah.
1: And I'm Jess. And I'm Erica. And we're super excited to have you guys back with us today. And we will be talking about reps, representatives, is what I assume that's short for, right? Reps.
2: (laughs) Reps, the team, depending on how douchey you are. Yes. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah, the team. So we're going to talk about what reps are, what's the difference between them, how do you get a rep, do you really need them all, what's going on in the current landscape, and how to kind of manage your reps since it is an ongoing working relationship. So why don't we start with what are the three types of reps?
0: Basically, when someone says, I'll have my people call your people, (laughs) your people are one of, or if not all of these three people.
2: Managers, lawyers, and agents.
1: So the first type of rep is a manager. Manager is someone who kind of helps and oversees your career. They are making that investment in you. They get 10% of whatever you make as a writer. If you're having to work fast food while you are trying to make it as a writer, they do not get 10% of that. I just want to be super clear.
2: Okay, so that's managers. And agents seem to be more short-term goal-oriented. Yeah, deal-oriented. That's a good way of describing it. They're there to get you the best deal they can on that individual project in front of their face at that time.
1: Yeah, they're expert negotiators. They get you jobs. There's a lot of overlap between managers and agents, but your manager can't negotiate your deal. That's really important to say up front. Your lawyer can negotiate a deal. Your agent can negotiate a deal. But managers, that's not their part of the arrangement.
0: Right. And then lawyers, not everyone has a lawyer and not everyone needs a lawyer prior to the WGA, ATA debacle, whatever. we, Which we will to get to. <laughs> Which we will get to. I don't know that lawyers necessarily had as much involvement in a lower or mid-level writer's career. Usually the agents would do the deals. Lawyers, they're versed in entertainment law. That is what they specialize in. So their job is to negotiate the best deal they can. A lot of writers, myself included, were represented at one of the big four agencies. So I used to be at CAA. The other big four would be UTA, WME, and ICM. And so for a while, those four biggest agencies were not working with um, most of the writers that were wrapped there were not working with those agents. And so at the time a lot of writers switched over to getting lawyers to handle their deals um, since their managers couldn't.
1: Yeah. The Writers Guild also provided lawyers uh, that could assist in the deal to kind of uh, fill in those gaps. And I've heard good things about those lawyers. But to be clear, so managers and agents get 10 percent. Lawyers get 5 percent. They can negotiate, but that's usually something an agent does is negotiate how much you're getting paid and then lawyers will kind of knock out all the details of a deal.
0: Lawyers are also far less, if at all, involved in your career per se. I mean, my lawyer is actually pretty, you know, we talk about my career and what I'm doing and what I'm writing, but he's not setting me up on any meetings or anything like that. He's really just there to handle my deals and to negotiate getting a promotion or getting a title bump or getting more money. Uh, That's what they're really good at.
1: Let's talk about how we got our reps. That's, I think, one of the biggest things that Up and coming writers ask me, is how did you get your rep? With the implied question being, like, how do I get a rep? So, just like, how did you get your first rep and who was it?
2: My first rep was my manager. His name is Conrad Sun. He's with Meridian Artists. And I met him through the CBS Diversity Fellowship Program. That program, they set up sort of like this very interesting speed dating round robin where they brought in a bunch of managers and we just had five minutes to pitch each of those managers who we were and what we wrote. And then any manager who was interested in seeing us further, you know, would ask for basically like a a coffee meeting or something after. And Conrad and I really hit it off. And uh, that's how I got Conrad. And then after that came the agents, which my manager basically found for me. He and my agent, Manal Hamad, who was at Abrams and then moved to Verve during the WGA agency dispute. They shared a few clients already. And she said she was looking for a writer who had my sensibility and Conrad introduced us and we
0: and we seemed to get along just fine. I don't have a lawyer. Cool. Hannah, what about you? I had a manager when I was first starting out and he was great, but I was such a baby writer that he didn't really ever set me up on meetings or try to try to sell anything of mine. I frankly wasn't quite there yet, but he really helped me sort of hone my material and get it into a good place. And then by the time I think my material was ready to start being sent out. And he had been made partner at this management company and they were kind of transitioning into more of a production company. He was moving into more of a produ- producerial role. And so I started looking elsewhere. That was about three years ago. And I had a friend who is now my manager, John Hirsch at House Fire Management. And John was just sort of a, a friendly acquaintance that we, we would see each other at parties and he was hanging out in my room was like the hangout zone of this house where we would always have these parties and I have this big cork board on my wall and there was um, <laughs> there was a lot of like ideas for my for my scripts on this cork board one of them I don't know if I should say this in I'll just go ahead and say it it's not in the script <laughs> anymore the, the note card simply said Molly tampon as in Molly the <laughs> drug And he was like, what is this? What does this mean? What's happening here? And I told him about (laughs) the script that I was writing. It was a a comedy set at a music festival. And he loved the idea. And he said, send it to me. He was at a production company at the time. I submitted my script to them. They uh, had something that was similar, but he was like, I really love your writing and I'd love to work together. I'm actually going to be leaving the company and going out on my own as a manager. And so it was a bit of a gamble for me. I thought, well, do I really want to work with someone that maybe is just starting out as a manager? But he did have a lot of connections from working in the industry before being in representation. So I trusted him and he gave me such amazing notes that I was like, okay, this is going to be a good partnership. And I trusted him as a friend as well, which that's, you know, a tricky thing we can get into, but for me it's, it's worked out. So then John found my agents at CAA. I signed with them end of 2018 and then the beginning of 2019, uh, (laughs) I had to fire them because I got a job on Legacies, joined the WGA, and that meant that now that I was in the Writers Guild, I could not be working with my agents uh, because of the agency dispute. And then um, around the same time I got my lawyer, knowing I wouldn't have an agent to help do my deal, and my lawyer, Sean Marks at Marks Law Group, is fantastic.
1: Cool. So I got a manager first as well. I had been living in L.A. for a couple years. I was on this no joke, an email listserv of like a thousand or two thousand women who work in Hollywood. I don't even know if this listserv still exists, but one time someone on the list came up with the idea of creating a digital booklet of all the writers who wanted to submit log lines and bios. And so she put it all together very nicely. And I submitted uh, the log line for uh, the script that I was using as a sample and my little bio. And out it went to these thousand women, and one of them became my manager, Jennifer Ow. She was at Caliber Media at the time. She read that script. She read another script. We sat down in her office because she had liked both those scripts, and we decided to work together. And it was a really easy decision for me, and it's one I have never regretted because we're still together, you know, like eight years later. She has moved From caliber to untitled to striking out on her own independently, and we're just like ride or die. So she introduced me first to my former lawyer who was a partner at a big law firm, and it was him and an associate named Jennifer Gray who became a partner and then changed firms, and I followed her to her new firm, Hanson Jacobson, and I adore her. And then a couple years ago, I wrote a script that we thought could really make an impression. And so Jen, my manager, sent it to some agents that she thought would be a good fit for me. And I ended up at WME. And then just like Hannah, I had to fire them in April of 2019 because of this dispute that we'll get into. So I've been operating without agents for you know over a year now, just my manager, my lawyer, And uh, we've been doing pretty great. Like my lawyer is a really good negotiator, which I think is important for what's, you know, for if you're not going to have agents. And like I said, my manager and I are still together. So yeah, I think if you look at those stories, my general advice for getting a rep is to be ready. Have a fantastic script. In fact, have two of them if you can, because so when they ask, what else do you have? You have something that you are equally confident in than the first script you sent as a sample like if you get interest from a rep and you're not ready with that script then you've wasted that opportunity you're a team you're working together the jobs that I've gotten over the last couple years have been a combination of my hustle and my manager's hustle and my agent's hustle like all of you need to be in it to win it so don't go looking for a rep until you're genuinely ready for it
2: yeah that's key I think I have some beginning writer friends or writers who are just starting out and they have one really good script and I keep telling them have something else in your portfolio, have something else to show them. And then they're like, no, but this script is so good. I don't need anything else. This will be enough to get me where I need to go. And every single one of them has approached agents and managers and every single one of them has been told, well, what else do you have? And that's the worst question to get if you're not prepared.
0: Yeah, because the last thing you want is to say, oh, well, I also have this other script, but I haven't, you know, really updated it in a while. And it's kind of in a totally different genre. They're going to be like, well, then what what can I do with this? Managers and agents even though, you know, we talked about some of their differences, their job is to get you work and or sell your work. And so if you only have that one script, and they send it around town, and nobody wants to buy it, because it's a rom-com, and rom-coms just aren't doing well right now, or it's, uh, it's COVID time, and you happen to have a script that is pretty much all takes place in a giant crowd, and no (laughs) one's, which happens to be happening to me at the moment. Uh, You have a script that takes place at a music festival, (laughs) but no one is going to be able to shoot it. So then your manager says, well, hey, I tried. Let's hold on to this for like, you know, a year down the road. But what else do you have?
1: The flip side of that, by the way, is do not send 19 unproduced scripts. If they're like, what else do you have? And then you send a list of 19 projects. Not what, what anyone's going for. Send a max of one or two more things for them, maybe between one and three more things for them to check out. They want to mold you. They want to work with you. They want to help create your career together as a partnership. But like if you send them and you're like, these are all ready to go out, all equally good, then the question is like, well, then why haven't any of them seen the light of day before? Why aren't these made? Any other general advice for getting a rep to notice you?
2: Well, I feel like
1: I kind of cheated because I, got, I
2: met my manager through the program. It was so easy. Uh, he read a script. He liked it. We met
1: twice and then I signed with him. Well, let's walk that back for a second because the hard work that you did was getting into that program. That's a really good way to get noticed by a rep is to make it into a diversity program or some kind of other initiative. Like, that's really difficult. So, and for that, you need fantastic samples and to present yourself well.
2: You're right. Yeah, you're right. I am amazing, just for the
1: record. (laughs) Just reminding you your weekly reminder that just is awesome but yeah like that's a really good way to to get that attention and not everyone can get into those programs because they're highly competitive but that is a really good way to to get a step ahead certain contests i would say things like the nickel fellowship
0: or austin film festival yes
1: that's what i was thinking yeah it's a pretty big my mind <laughs> um,
0: they, they generally if you you know get to a certain level then they actually will set up meetings with managers where you go to the festival and you can meet managers that way
1: yeah. I've heard good things about Roadmap Writers, but um, I've never worked with them personally.
0: Yeah. And there's things like Tracking Board. They do one every year. Final Draft. Uh, like, yeah, not all the festivals. You have to do a little bit of, of homework. But off the top of my head, those are the ones that are a little more legit.
1: Mm-hmm. There's the Blacklist.
0: Yep. Blacklist.
1: Yeah, which I can only recommend if you have friends in the industry who can kind of bump up your score, to be honest, because it is incredibly easy for even an amazing script to get lost on that site. People aren't going to read it unless they see it has a high score.
0: Yeah. Another piece of advice I'd say, too, is don't just jump with the first manager or agent that approaches you. If you are at a point where you 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 have two really solid scripts and you're really you're ready you know you're ready at this point in your career to to start trying to staff or to start trying to get open writing assignments then you're gonna probably be sought after by more than one. When I got my agent, everything was kind of happening at the same time. So my manager sent out my pilot, which was going around, and that was the one that got me into the Warner Brothers program. And then I also got on the the Young and Hungry list, which is another good way to get noticed
1: i have also been young and hungry and now i guess i'm old and full
0: uh, <laughs> i'm still <so> hungry
1: <laughs> young and hungry list is run by the tracking board they do another list every year of the best unproduced screenplays and it's all both the young and hungry and the hit list require people nominating you and and voting for you mm-hmm. so the people who get on that list are generally people with managers or agents who have fought to get them on that list and that's not 100 percent all the time you stood out this year, people read a sample of yours that they liked, you got into a fellowship, you got a cool job. Like That's when you end up on those lists. And for Hit List, when you've written a really great spec uh, feature that people really like, that's how you get on that list.
0: Yeah. So all that to say, everything Erica said, and then it's all sort of, it was a perfect storm of, I had sort of three things going for me at once, a script that was going around that a lot of people noticed and Therefore, were willing to nominate me for the twenty eighteen Young and Hungry list, and then getting on that list got me noticed by my agents at CAA. So, to be fair, when the CAA agents approached me, I sort of pretended that I had a bunch of other meetings all over town, but (laughs) I didn't. I just wanted them; like the meeting (laughs) was so great. But you know, sometimes if you get approached by a couple of you know, some might be smaller, boutique agents, like it's a little like dating. You kind of know when it's a good fit because it is a partnership. It is your career. You don't want to just jump in if you're not quite sure that they maybe have their best interests at heart. So if they are a big agent at a big agency and they have a lot of other clients, you can get lost in the shuffle. So that might not be what you need at the beginning of your career Or if they're at a really small boutique agency or management company and they don't have a lot of connections, um, if you have more connections than your reps do or the same connections, then you're not really widening your network. So maybe you guys can talk about how do you determine whether it's a good fit when you have been approached by a, a rep and you're considering whether or not to sign with them.
1: I think the most important thing is that they get you. They read your work and they're excited about your work specifically and not a box you check. It is very common for them to be like, oh, I need a woman writer or I need to represent a woman of color. Like, that's something that happens all the time, unfortunately. You should be able to get a feel for that in that meeting if you're asking them questions about specifics. What are you able to do for me? Where do you see my career going? Here's what I want, you know, to do. How can you help me achieve that? It's like you're working together. And if your partner doesn't understand where you want to go with your career and doesn't have the, the resources and the attitude to help you get there, then that's not the right rep for you. And I say this, having seen it gone wrong so many times, it is better to have no rep than a bad fit.
2: I have a friend, she got a manager pretty much directly out of grad school and it was a pretty good management company and she was so excited about it. And then he basically, they, they just didn't have the same taste. And so every time she's like, I wanna write this project. And he's like, okay, well then only if you do it in this way. And then she would get so disheartened that halfway through she would give up. Or usually halfway through, he would send her another idea. He's like, Oh, this is this type of thing is really popular right now. You should be focusing on this, put everything else aside. And so at the end of a year and a half, she had probably a half dozen half finished things and nothing completed. And then he just went, to, you know, he just ghosted her.
1: That's a
0: common type of story and so unfortunate. Yeah, you really want someone that's like gonna hustle for you, is excited about your work and understands not just your writing but sort of who you are as a writer and where you would be a good fit especially with a manager i think we talked at the beginning about how managers are a little more focused on the longevity of your career rather than like just what's the next job they're a little bit more big picture a little more thinking long term and sometimes that means turning down a job or knowing when something's not right for you where agents agents will be like, oh, yeah, 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 just take it. Just take the job because you need a job right now. Whether or not it's the right job for you, that's not really their concern because you will make money in the short term.
1: A couple things I wanted to mention. Managers can produce projects. Um, agents cannot, legally speaking. That's a really important distinction. The other thing I'll say is that when we say you sign with a manager, you don't actually sign. And there's a little bit of debate on this, but I hold fast to like if a manager asks you to sign a contract, don't do that. Get a different manager. It's a handshake deal. Have You guys had the same experience? No, I signed some stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Conflict.
2: <laughs> well, because also the, my management company, they are the ones who insist on handling the money. So the, usually if you have a manager and an agent, your paychecks go through the agent. They take out their 10% and they send off the 10% for your manager and then it gets to you and my managers are the one who get the checks first. Interesting.
0: I didn't sign anything, but I kind of wanted to. I understand the philosophy behind the handshake deal, which I didn't when I started off. I, I sort of left the meeting with my agents, the first the sign, the quote unquote signing meeting, even though again, like Erica said, you're not actually signing anything. And I was very confused. I, I did think there was going to be some sort of official legal document because how else do you pay them a commission. How like It's it's very strange.
1: It is. It's a very weird thing. And it might be changing a little, but my understanding and, and my experience has always just been that like in general, and it's not true of everyone, in general, if a manager asks you to sign a, a contract, that is usually a sign of a predatory manager. It's a way to claim ownership over all of your work so that if you ever leave them or if you make a deal without them, which isn't common, but like can happen, uh, that they can come after you for that for that money and I mean it's one of those things that's like it's very counterintuitive it would make sense that you would you know since you're going to be dealing with money and owing them money that you would have it all written down on paper but I would say it is not standard in Hollywood to do that
2: I would agree with that I mean maybe it's slightly different because my managers are Canadian Ooh, sexy (laughs) So when I met Conrad in 2016, I think it was, his company, Meridian Artists, they were like the biggest management company in Canada, and they kept losing all their best clients to LA. So they decided we're going to open an LA branch. And so I guess that was, in a way, me taking a a chance on these new budding managers. Because I did have meetings with other managers who were more well-established, but I just got along the best with Conrad something to what Erica was saying about how important it is that the two of you gel and vibe. Connor and I just had very similar senses of humor. And for me, that's something I look for in anyone that I'm going to work with. Like, can we laugh about the same things? Mm -hmm. Do we both find the same things not funny? (laughs) Then great. It's probably going to be okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just do it differently in Canada. I, all I know is that they came here and they <laughs> said, Hey, can you sign some stuff so that we can like process the, the 10% and all that? And I was like, Sure.
1: That's actually something different. I signed when I was at WME, I gave them permission to distribute my checks and stuff like that. Right. So that, I think, is a different process and document than the contract of, like, we will work together for this many years.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I didn't sign anything like that. No, no. Mine was all like, hey, we're, like, working together now, and you're giving us authorization to take 10% out of your checks and send the rest of it on to you. That's cool. Was that kind of thing.
1: By the way, I actually have my money come to me, and I cut the checks. Someone talked to me about it a long time ago, another writer. They were just like, you know, it's your money. Having it go through the agencies is another way that they kind of take a power stance the check comes from UTA or WME. It has their logo on it. It makes it feel like they're paying you, but it is actually the other way around. And so there is something to be said of handling your own finances and cutting your own checks, at least until you get something on like a TV show and you're dealing with royalties and all kinds of shit like that. In that case, probably better that you have your lawyer or your manager handle it just for legalities and because you don't want anything to slip through the cracks. In the end, it doesn't totally... Matter. I think it's just a. It's about managing your relationship with your reps, which we should talk about. But first, I think we should just outline really quick the WGA agency dispute that's been going on.
2: Okay. So someone else should do it because I'm still not
1: sure I entirely understand.
2: I, yeah, I can't do it. Okay, I'll do it.
1: I'll do it. Okay. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna do my best here. Um, feel free to tweet me with all the things I got wrong. But basically, there's something called packaging that agencies do, where they put together the elements of a TV show. And by that, I mean, they put together the showrunner, the director, the star of the TV show, and they they sell it to the network as a package. And the pro of that for writers is that you don't have to pay your agent's commission on anything to do with that show because they are making money directly from the network or the studio. It's more commonly done in TV. It's sometimes done in film. However, the problem with that is that while you don't have to pay a commission, agencies have no incentive to get you paid more money or to put their writers on those shows. There's no difference in how much they will be paid if they get five writers onto that show or just the showrunner who they packaged. It also doesn't matter if that showrunner gets fired. So they have no incentive to help that showrunner keep their job or get raises or anything like that. So this has been going on, I think, since like the 1970s or something like that. And the WGA looked at the data and said, oh, our, our members are suffering from this practice. That was the conclusion that they came to. And so they talked to all the agencies, but it's mostly the big four agencies that do this practice. They looked at that. They looked at the fact that agencies have started affiliate production companies like WME has Endeavor, CA has WIP. And so they felt that that broke the, the legal ruling that agents can't produce. So these two main things they felt kept agency interests from to not be aligned with writers' interest, and they had the data to back that up. So they said, we're going to be negotiating a new contract with the entity that represents agencies. So new negotiations started for the new contract and didn't work. The WGA and the ATA could not reach an agreement. So on April like 14th or something like that of 2019, every WGA member fired the agencies that would not sign a code of conduct to end packaging and end production affiliates, right? So over the past year and few months, um, we have watched agencies slowly come to agreements with the WGA to be able to rep writers again. The I believe the only holdouts are now CAA and WME. UTA was the first big four agency to sign, and that happened a couple weeks ago. So there you have it. That's the WGA agency dispute in a nutshell. That's why Hannah and I fired our agents from CAA and WME, specifically the only reason. Jess, by the way, is it Verve? Verve is not part of the ATA and came to an agreement with the WGA pretty early on. Yes. So that's that.
0: Good job, Erica. That was very, very well, well done. Thank I you. know, seriously, super well done. Now I get that. it.
1: <laughs> I know, I understand it now. I went to all the meetings, what can I say? I'm fascinated by drama. Anyway, so let's wrap this up really quick with any tips you guys have of having a good relationship with them.
2: Well, I talk to my managers more often than I talk to my agents. For sure. The one piece of advice I could give is... Like Erica said earlier, once you have reps, that does not mean your work is done and you will work forever. Your reps will work as hard as you work. That seems to have happened in my case. So if I'm putting in a lot of hustle, my managers and my agents will rise up to match that. If I'm sort of slacking off and being like, oh, whatever, we'll see what happens, then my agents and my managers, they have a whole bunch of other clients who are willing to work harder and get their attention. So you have reps and that's wonderful. It's a huge first step that makes your life easier, but it doesn't mean the job is done.
0: Yeah, I second that. And to be specific about um, ways that you can hustle other than writing, um, which is obviously your number one job, networking is still important. I I know how much we all love networking. <laughs> that is work that still has to be done even after you have reps because your reps will get you meetings at companies and with producers and with studio executives and buyers that want to work with you. Um, and so therefore, they will help you expand your network. But it is so much easier to, say, sell a project or, or set you up, even set you up on a meeting if you have a prior relationship there, if you have a relationship of your own separate from the manager. So for example, because I used to work for Zach Penn, I was a lo- really active in the feature world. Now I'm pretty much exclusively working in TV, but I still have connections at companies that produce features. And so when my manager sends me out on a meeting somewhere or sends a feature that I'm trying to sell around to companies that are looking for features, it really helps when I already know somebody there. And he can say, oh, you know, Hannah, she, you guys worked together, you know, when she was with Zach and you were at Hasbro, blah, 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 blah. So that just it just makes their job and yours easier if you already have connections of your own outside of your manager.
1: Don't be afraid of your rep. I think it's very common. Uh, we are all insecure writers to be like, uh, to act like they are gatekeepers to, to what you want, right? Ask for what you want, ask, like tell. They, they're they not mind readers, you know? If you have a script going out and you know where you want it to be sent, ask. They, if they don't have connections there, then you can work together to try to find a way to get it to where you want it to go. If they don't do what you ask, then you need to take a look at why. And a lot of times there's a very reasonable reason. It's actually not a good idea or they just don't think that they could do it correctly. A lot of times there's not a good answer. And that it's just that your reps are not working hard enough for you. Like that happens and there can be a variety of reasons for it. So ask for what you want and take measure of how the relationship is going because it is a partnership and it is very unlikely that you will have the same Agent or manager or lawyer at the beginning of your career than you do at the end of the career. I have friends who have gone through every agency in town. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want and move on if you are genuinely not able to get it from them. If you guys have questions about agents and managers and lawyers, if you feel like we missed something or we didn't get to your question, feel free to email us at Driven Podcast at gmail.com or tweet us. We are at untitledfemale on Twitter. We would love to hear from you.
0: Good luck getting your reps. I know you guys are almost ready. Feel free to share
1: your stories. We'd love to hear from you.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
1: (laughs) Bye. Bye.